Amen. Week seven, don't stop burning. So, just to give you a little recap from where we were in Daniel chapter five, Daniel has just finished interpreting the writing on the wall. Uh, specifically, the writing on the wall for King Belshazzar. And if you remember, Belshazzar was uh, very prideful, uh, very arrogant, trusted in himself way too much, did not believe in God, was uh, desecrating the, the temple and, and things of God. And basically, there was writing on the wall. God was getting their attention. He did not uh, heed any word. And that night, after Daniel gave him the interpretation of the writing on the wall, Belshazzar stayed stubborn, very prideful in himself, and that night he was killed by the Persians and the Medes. So as we pick up in the Daniel chapter 6, we now have a new king, King Darius of the Medes, who just took over the kingdom. Everyone clear on where we're at? Awesome. So we start off in Daniel 6 verses 1 through 3. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable, someone say more capable, than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So, We've got three people overseeing the entire kingdom. Three people overseeing the leaders of 120 provinces of the kingdom that Darius has put up. And of the three leaders, Daniel proved himself to be more capable. As I was reading that, God gave me three words that Daniel was distinguished. He was distinguished. And he wasn't distinguished because he was trying to be better. He was simply operating in who he was and what God gifted him to do. It's not that he was trying to be better. It's that he operated in who he was and what God had gifted him to do. Colossians 3.10 says this, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like him. Just leave that up there. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. When you put on your new nature, you begin a process of renewal as you gain knowledge of who he is. It's not let me get head knowledge so that I can start walking right. It's the knowledge you need is only by way of intimacy with the Father. Because a lot of people know about God but look nothing like Him. And a lot of people know about God but don't know how to walk in all of the things He has called us to walk in. The knowledge that we need in order to grow in renewal is to wrap ourselves up in who we are as the righteous sons and daughters of God. That's one thing we talked about last week. It's not that we're becoming righteousness. It's not that we will get right. It's God says you are the righteousness of God. And another way to say it is we are as righteous as God is. 
And it's hard for us to take that in because we love to focus on our imperfections and life of sin and the falls and all these things. But God says, I have paid a price for you to enter as righteous despite what you walk as. And the only way to get to know the righteous you that I see is by intimacy and relationship with me. You can try to follow rules all day. That's not going to make you any more or less righteous. What we have to grow in is not righteousness. What we need to grow in is our understanding that we are right. And the only way to grow in an understanding that we are right is by way of intimate relationship with the Father. And when we get submitted to that, you will be renewed as you get to know Him Because your new nature reflects the one you are getting to know. I'm going to say that again. When you get submitted to the idea of knowledge of intimacy with the Father, you will be renewed as you get to know the Father because your new nature will reflect the one you're getting to know. So as you get to know him more, you get to know you better. Because the true you is merely a reflection of the Father. Remember last week, a refiner sits and looks into the finer and into the fire in order to do one thing, to see his reflection in the metal. So when God created you, he saw him. So the process of renewal is entering into a renewal of your old dead self into the true you which reflects his glory. And when you begin to walk in this, you will become distinguished. Daniel was walking in it, and when we walk in it, we will become distinguished. Well, what do you mean by distinguished? Look at what 1 Peter 2.9 says. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are called out of darkness into light. Light means one thing, knowledge. What knowledge? The knowledge you gain from knowing him. Not knowing about him, but knowing him. You were called out of darkness, out of ignorance, into a knowledge of who he is. Called from ignorance of God to the knowledge of God. And as we walk in this knowledge of God by way of intimacy, you burn, you shine, and you start to reflect something that is not normal. And you reflect it and shine and burn to such a degree that there is something about you that's different. There's something about you that's distinguished. There's something about you that doesn't look like the rest of the world. And the rest of the world is not going to like it. There is something about a believer when we start to shine and reflect the Father, we should stand out from others without trying to stand out. Unfortunately, it's kind of getting a little easier to do that today. Because everything in the world is trying to come against our God-given purpose. Let me, let me tread here a little bit. Think about what's going on. Everything that the world is trying to do right now has one goal. Don't produce, don't multiply. A disease came into the nation, came into the world, because we've never dealt with disease before. And its goal was one thing, shut it down. 
the biggest, I would say, epidemic, pandemic, whatever emic you want to call it, is the homosexual agenda. What is the root behind it? Stop multiplying. The threat of recession comes in. So people stop trying to multiply their money. They don't invest. They start to save. They start to lock it up. Nothing wrong with saving. But they're saving and then there's investing. Remember the parable of, of, the, of the talents. The one that saved his money got rebuked. The one that invested it got more. There's one thing to save. It's one thing to multiply what you've been saving. Every agenda is don't multiply. Don't produce. Stop, 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 stop. In the creation story, everything that God did was said what was multiply and produce, multiply and produce. Our very being is to multiply and produce, and that in itself will distinguish us. I'm going to say this very boldly, and I'm going to, I, I'm going to step on toes probably that's going to hear this, but any church that is not multiplying or producing is out of alignment. And multiplying and producing doesn't necessarily look like filling seats. There are 12 people multiplied and produced greatly, and we read about them in the Bible, the 12 apostles, 12 disciples. It's not necessarily let's fill seats. It's let's make sure that everyone in this house who is filling a seat has walk, is walking in multiplication and producing. The, the, one of the last prophecies we read last week in Malachi 4 was that the father's hearts return to the children and the children turn to the fathers. Can I share some testimonies I, I've been hearing this week? I've gotten testimonies from people that said, out of nowhere, my father spoke to me this week, and he doesn't usually do that. Do you understand the power of the declaration? And when we brought people up here last week and we said we are going to turn the key to something, that we are going to walk into a new thing, activate a new thing, it's already starting to happen. I found out last week that someone in this house who I've known for years upon years, I've never known them to do this. They're not even on the prayer team, but they, they said the reason I was gone the first 30 minutes of your message is because God told me to go to the prayer room and I prayed for you for 30 minutes straight. I didn't have to tell them to do it. I didn't have to create a position. The Holy Spirit moved them to walk into something that hasn't been in this house before. Okay. I call that producing. You're, and one of the stories of that was I, he, the person said, I used to see my father do this. That's our call as distinguished people. Raise people up. Multiply what we've got and let it produce for the glory of God. And when we start to burn and shine and reflect something that is not normal... It will be so, so distinguished from their darkness that they will start to put a demand on the church. Are y'all okay? Yeah. Daniel stood out because his abilities were rested in his identity as a child of God. And he walked in abilities children of darkness simply cannot possess. Because they don't have access until they submit to belief. We have access, so it is time to start burning to such a degree that the world realizes their need for, for God through ecclesia. The problem is, darkness don't always like light. 
and it will do anything to cause us to stop burning. Look what happens in verse 4. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. I pray that that is the mark of this house. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Isn't it bad that that's not the normal for Christians? Almost every story I hear about Christians has something to do with, I can't trust them, they're not responsible, and they let me down. It is time to burn to such a degree that we change that mindset of the church, that we change how we reflect, that we change the opinion, that we change um, our, our, our rapport with the world, that when darkness sees light, they're drawn to it, not repelled by it. It says he was always faithful, always responsible, completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Isn't that awesome? The only thing that we can do is point out that he actually loves his God. Okay. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. Just like people sucking up to get something. Is that too much? That's okay. We are, we are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. The amount that you burn will be determined by how wrapped up you are in the identity of God as his son or daughter. And you know how wrapped up you are in your identity with him by a few things that we just saw with Daniel. Your faithfulness, how responsible you are, how trustworthy you are, and how well you steward what you've given stewardship over. How faithful you are, how responsible you are, how trustworthy you are, and how well you steward. If you are not trustworthy, faithful, and you can't steward, I've shown you how dim you're shining. It is not possible to burn and not have these qualities. It's called a life being above reproach. It's not let me get above reproach by trying to do the right thing. It's my desires have changed to such a degree by consequence of being wrapped up in divine identity that no one can find fault out of my new natural that looks as bright as the sun. Because, because I am an extension of the sun and I burn like the sun. Remember Malachi 4, the, the, or, or maybe it was 3, no, 4, son of righteousness. Not S-O-N, but S-U-N. But it was capitalized. So it's twofold. 
is referring to the Son, but we are the body of the head, which is the Son. So righteousness should burn like the Son. So when we start to get wrapped up in our identity of the Father, then we are an extension of the Son's rays. What Son? Righteousness. And that burning of righteousness will distinguish you to such a degree that wherever you walk, darkness has to scatter because by law it cannot stay in the midst of a burning sun. But there's something we've missed about being above reproach, and this is what religion does. We try to make above reproach specifically for leaders. Because the church mindset is we pay you to be perfect so that we can feel better about our crap. I'm going to read a passage that I believe has been one of the most mistaught scriptures ever. Titus 1, 7 through 9. A church leader is a manager of God's household. So he must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent, or dishonest with money. Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home. He must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. He must have a strong belief in this trustworthy message he was taught. Then he'll be able to encourage others with wholesome teachings and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. Some translations read this as elders in the church. Here's what religion has done. In order to be an elder, you've got to possess these qualities. But that is the miss. Paul is teaching them how to appoint elders, but we've missed the point. Because this is what it's trying to... We think elders have special qualifications that sheep don't have. What it is, is they're qualified to be elders because they're walking in what we're all believing should be a quality of a son or daughter. And the reason they're expected to walk in it is so they can reflect and burn in such a way where you are held accountable to a lifestyle you see which reflects Jesus. Just like in John, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. You should be able to follow a church leader as they're following Christ, not to get you out of having to burn like that, but so that you can see an example of what burning looks like. So in other words, a church leader is simply living out the call of every believer. What is the call of every believer? Manage God's house. Live a blameless life. Don't be arrogant. Don't be quick-tempered. Don't be quick-tempered. Don't be quick-tempered. Don't be quick-tempered. Don't be a heavy drinker. Don't be violent. Don't be dishonest with money. Enjoy having people in your home. That's a big one. I just don't want guests. That's a place where you are still dim, where you need to turn up the fire. That, that's too much? You can't tell me that I'm supposed to. Yeah, I can. It's in the Bible. 
We have to make sure that we are walking in what we are called to walk into so that others can learn to follow that example of burning. You cannot burn as bright if you're quick-tempered. You cannot burn as bright if you are dishonest with money. And you cannot burn as bright if you are arrogant or all these things. You burn as bright as you steward, so don't let it stop. Why do we point this out? It's not, let me get this right. It's, God, thank you for revealing what in me is not reflecting you. So it's not, let me change behavior. It's, I've just seen that I've got to get wrapped up in intimacy. Because if I don't have a desire that is God-like, then that is a mark that I am not as wrapped up in him as I should be. Because it's not change your behavior it's get so wrapped up in relationship with God that you have new desires. Well, what do those new desires look like? Titus 1. It's not do these things. It's these are the evidences of burning and being wrapped up and reflecting. They could not, y'all okay? They could not find any fault with Daniel. They were looking. Is he arrogant? Is he quick-tempered? Is he drinking too much? They were looking. They were trying to find fault. People are always trying to do that. They're trying to find fault. They can't just celebrate and worship God together. we got to find what's wrong. They were trying to find something, but they couldn't find it. He was faithful. He was responsible. He was completely trustworthy. These men knew Daniel well. So well that they knew they would never be able to trick him into doing evil things. They knew that Daniel was going to be faithful no matter what. To which I want to say this. The world, darkness, does not have to know the details of doctrine when your conduct is a, is a sufficient witness of how distinguished you're called to be. Because what church has taught is go witness to people. That's not what scripture says. The scripture says go be a witness. We have made witnessing an evangelistic call. It's not certain people are called to witness. It's you are called to be that witness wherever you are. Certain people don't want to get together and go walk the city and see if people are saved. But to be a witness means when you go into work Monday morning and everyone else is complaining, you're distinguished. When a recession hits and everyone is losing the ability to prosper, you're distinguished. When people are uh, shifted because of conditions, you're not because you're distinguished. And what distinguishes you is you are so wrapped up in an identity that they have no clue about. And it burns to such a degree that they will put a demand on who you are not knowing what they see is God himself. They knew Daniel, but they also knew the king's pride. So they lied to him, and they told the king, everyone consulted together. If you remember, it said, us administrators, us high officials, us all this, all this stuff. Uh, I said us high officials. Us high officials, everything. Well, they were including Daniel. Because there were only three high officials. Daniel and the other two, over 120. So they go to the king. Remember, in the scripture, it said the king uh, gave more weight to Daniel than the other two. So when the king heard that all of your people agree, 
he was making a move off of what he thought was Daniel's word. Right? So he assumed Daniel was consulted. So he said, okay, I'm going to read verse 7 again. We're all in agreement. We're administrators, officials, high officials, advisors, governors, that the king should make a law that should be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of the lions. And part of your ability to not stop burning is directly connected to what you agree with. Because what we tend to do is give too much agreement without weighing what we're agreeing with. We flippantly agree with entertainment, politics, even words of knowledge and wisdom and prophetic words that people claim to give. Can I just break that for a second? You're supposed to hear the voice of God. It's not always called prophetic. You're supposed to hear the voice of God. Just because you get a vision or you hear God doesn't make you prophetic. It makes you a son or daughter burning where you can understand his voice. Don't mix the two. One word that Dutch Jesus has been given is, is a marriage again of the apostolic and the prophetic. Right? Well, the problem with the prophetic ministry over the years is that they have got so wrapped into I see, I see, I see, I see that they have not submitted to an apostolic function of pointing you in the direction from what you're seeing. So, so we get wrapped under this. We get wrapped up in God told me, God told me, God told me, God told me. But what is it good for you to be told if you're not submitting into the one who is supposed to do with what you're told? So... Where, where am I going with that? Oh, part of what you're burning with is directly connected to your agreement. Look at 1 John 4.1. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Just because they say prophet on their YouTube don't mean you need to listen to them. Just because they've got doves with fire and they say that they're the, the, the holy, you know, maid of honor of the Almighty God don't mean you need to listen to them. You must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God. Can I just tell you something about Satan? He knows God well. He led worship for him. So he knows exactly how to pose like him. He knows what his voice sounds like. He knows your heart. He knows your weak places. He, Satan knows how to move you. Mm -hmm. So test the Spirit. Make sure they come from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. Well, how do I know they speak from God, Kyle? Ephesians 5.10. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Is what coming out of them, their mouth pleasing to God? If it's not, it's not a word. Not by any logic. Let every word that proceeds from our mouth be pleasing to God. Do you test the suggestions, even from church people, to make sure that it's pleasing to God? The degree of your burn hinges on the life centered around making decisions to please God and God alone. The fact of the matter is, Darius made a, a horrible decision. He took the word of people who didn't believe in Daniel's God instead of going to Daniel and making sure that he agreed with the word. 
And too often we flippantly agree, 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 agree. And we agree because I believe we're trying to please. And the reason you get obsessed with, with pleasing is because you just want agreement. But that is the issue. Not everything you should be in agreement with. And it's just as necessary to point out what's wrong as it is to point out what's right. Because that is in itself iron sharpening iron causing fire to burn brightly. If I ever said something from this pulpit that sounded like it wasn't truth or wasn't scripture, I hope that you would have a private conversation with me. Not get the microphone during church, but just talk. And as many, I hope, have seen, if I was wrong, I would get up here in a second and submit myself and say, hey, I got this wrong. Let's point it in the right direction. Because I'm not trying to build Kyle Garrison Ministries. I'm trying to build the house of God. We should get obsessed with pleasing God, and that obsession with pleasing God should be an overflow of intimacy, not trying to keep up a religious scorecard. It should delight you to make decisions for the glory of God. So King Darius signs this decree. He didn't lay the suggestion. He didn't make sure it was God-like. He didn't even go to Daniel. But here's the thing. When a king signed a decree, it couldn't be changed. Not even by the king. Now, we say things like, well, I would never not pray in response to a government threat. But isn't that what the church did as a whole with a disease? Well, we're doing that from our own homes. Okay, but... The, the scripture says, don't forsake the gathering. If we really believe that we're connected, there is something about getting together in person to lift up the name of Jesus. Whose protection do you believe in, government mandates or the Father? Right? And I know, I, I know COVID, like, in, in my opinion, is basically over. It's just a mild sickness now that we can just say, you don't have any bind on us, Right? I know that season is kind of over, and I'm, I'm like, why, why are you talking about that? Because we have allowed too much to direct us. We've got to burn so bright that we walk in steps established for us, and as we walk in those steps, they're never questioned. Because the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered. Not just that, but the whole scripture in Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. So if he orders your steps, he delights in every detail of you because there is nothing insignificant about your decisions. If he has ordered every step, every decision you make bears weight to it according to the glory of God. The people you hang with, the church you attend, the voice you submit to, the job you have, the friendships you have, the family you've got, the family you don't got, the family you wish you had, the family that you don't want to talk to that you probably should talk to, the family that talks to you that you really don't want them to talk to you. Like we have all of these decisions and we think, well, that's not really, it doesn't really matter. It, it actually does. If the steps of a good man are ordered, every single decision you make bears some sort of level of agreement, which is directly hinging on how bright you burn. 
That's why we have commandments about loving our neighbors. That's why we have commandments about praying over enemies. We, 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 have, we have scripture about how everything should look because nothing is insignificant. You cannot embrace a word last weekend like, oh, I'm not insignificant, and then think that a decision is insignificant. Because we'll hoot and holler at, yeah, I'm, insi- I'm not insignificant. I'm significant. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. But then you hold no weight to any decision you make because you just think it's a flippant decision. Right? And it's a very wide range. I believe that it can go from drinking a Coke or water all the way to tithing or not. Because God says be a good steward of your body. That's a decision for the glory of God. Right? See, we don't like to talk about the practical. We love to, we love to talk about prophetic and words of knowledge. Let's talk about the 10 pounds of fat that you just put in your mouth. See, that's, that's too much, right? I don't care. I mean, I'm cool. Like, God knows I'm preaching the word. We, every single decision bears weight to it. And just to be clear, I'm not talking about heavy or thin. There's plenty of heavier people who eat healthy. I'm not talking about appearance. I'm talking about giving weight to every decision. The way we we parent our kids, the way we discipline, the way every single step. Daniel cared about every single step, and it shone and burned to such a degree that they could not find fault. The only thing that they could do was say, yeah, he worships God. Is this too much? Okay. Verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he cried and he pant and, and he and he hoped. No, 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 no. He went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. When that decree went out, he was being tested in his loyalties. He was a loyal subject of the king and a loyal subject to the king of kings. And when your loyalty is tested, there is nothing to think about. The decision is always, God gets my loyalty. Stoke the fire. Burn it brighter. And notice, it says he prayed three times a day not so that he could prove himself, not so that he could go deeper. It says he prayed three times a day as he always did. He didn't do less. He didn't do more. He just continued to burn. See, I think that that's a part of the religious system we got to get out of our minds. We're wanting to grow. It's not, well, am I doing less? Or, well, let me do more. It's continue to do what you're doing. The question is, are you doing? Because it's not do more to earn, it's continue in a lifestyle. Heather came to me last week and, or, and she listened to the message online and she said, I'm going to get a shirt that, that, that just says the isness of God. I think we need to embrace that to another degree. What is the isness of you? What is your isness? Is your isness praying? Because the scripture says that we are to be a house of prayer and you are a temple of God, which means you are a house. We love to pray when we need more money. We love to pray when we need provision. But do you pray just because you are wrapped up in intimacy? Daniel didn't have to say, well, let me increase my prayer life so I can move the nation. He already was. 
How was he burning? His lifestyle was prayer because he was wrapped up in the arms of his father and he simply wanted to do it. Not to get, not to prove. He just simply wanted to be with God. You know, Psalms tells us that his, in his presence there was fullness of joy. So why do we look for anywhere but presence when we need more joy? In his presence there is fullness of joy. There, there are many times through your week that there's an absence of fullness of joy, right? You get little joys here and, here and there. You know, you see this little thing, it gives you joy. You, 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 you hear about this word, it gives you joy. But fullness of joy is found in one place, his presence. And you know where his presence is? It's not here on Saturday nights. Well, let me say that a different way. It's not just here on Saturday nights. It's in your car. It's, 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 it's in your bedroom. It's, it's in the kitchen. It's in the workplace where everyone else is worshiping Satan. You walk in presence. In presence, there should be a fullness of joy. So if there is a lack of joy, it's not where is God. I ask, where are you? Are you wrapped up in intimacy in such a degree that the reality of heaven is more than the reality of the thing trying to steal joy? Because we pray the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, as it is in heaven should be as it is on the earth. So if you're walking in a condition that is not heavenly, get wrapped up. Because any moment in our lives should look like heaven. If it doesn't, something's out of alignment. And it's not let me pray for God to do it, it's let me get in alignment. Because when we start to get in alignment and we burn, sun burns to such a degree that anything not righteousness cannot exist in righteousness. That is why I believe when Ananias and Sapphira walked into the room, what happened to them? Anybody remember? They died. Why? Because darkness could not exist in sun. There was so much right in the room that anything not right could not stay. If there was so much right in the house, we, we would never have to worry about someone coming in to try to cause division. Why? Because they wouldn't be able to stay. So we, we have an ability to get to a level of unity that is so perfect. Dude, you, you can't get to that. It happened in Acts after Jesus. It can we can get to such a degree of unity that anything not right cannot stay, including the whispers of the enemy trying to get you out of right. Which he can never do, because you simply are. Do we believe that, though? Because what God is showing me, as, as we're walking into this new dimension, this new season of the church, I believe if we steward this moment correctly and start burning like never before, I won't have to earn trust to put something, someone into position. Because they wouldn't be able to be here because if they weren't right. Their burn would be they're trustworthy. What is your burn? Or are you not? And, and here's a great way to gauge in, in how wrapped up you are in who he is. 
Matthew 6.1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Notice that Daniel went to his place in the upstairs room. He didn't go to the center of the city. You know, he didn't go right in the middle of the ones who said, oh, we only, we only bow into uh, Darius. Because that's what our, our natural is, right? When a leader says, you can't pray to anyone but me, Christians today will think the answer is, well, we're going to march right up to them and pray to God in front of them. Be careful not to practice the son of your righteousness. Be careful not to practice your burn just for them to see the burn. Because you have no reward from your Father in heaven. In other words, nothing about that will produce heaven on earth. Can I kill another religious sacred moment? Why do you think rewards are only offered when you get past your flesh? When I die, there's going to be rewards in heaven. I've already died. So the rewards of heaven are not just for when my flesh dies. The rewards of heaven are for right now in my new man. I'm getting my fleshly self in line with the same Kyle that will be in a new dimension called heaven. The only difference is I'll be without my flesh. So why not walk in those same rewards now if heaven is merely a dimension? Well, think about it. We say we will enter into eternity. That's ridiculous. Because eternity sits before the throne of God. We are in eternity. There is no beginning nor end. So you don't enter into eternity because eternity has already begun. Is this? Okay. I wonder where your upper room burn lifestyle is. Do you get wrapped up in God alone? Or is it just here? That is how you know if you're burning bright or not. It's, is there legitimate fire? When we all get wrapped up alone, the corporate fire and the corporate burn, the corporate brightness will increase to such a degree that darkness doesn't stand a chance. Daniel was one of the three who oversaw 120 provinces of the kingdom, and yet he still had time to pray. Don't you ever tell anyone, I don't have time. I guarantee you, you don't oversee 120 provinces. Well, you don't know my schedule. I don't need to. If you don't have time in your schedules because you have not made time for being wrapped up. Or maybe you've got other idols that take place of that time of burning. Right? <laughs> and, and, and notice the details of his prayer. He wasn't asking for change or begging for relief. It says he gave thanks. Any request you make should be preceded with a lifestyle of thanks. I can imagine Daniel going in that upper room and not saying, God, deliver us from Darius or God, make a way. He just, Lord, thank you for the breath of my lungs. Thank you for the opportunity to praise you in this upper room. All he did was give thanks. 
in the midst of your frustration, when was the last time you, when, if you weighed out your prayer life, how much of it is thanks and how much of it is complaint and how much of it's begging? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. I don't know how to enter into the presence of God. It's in scripture. Enter in starting with thanks and praise. I want God to speak to me. Give. I've been talking about this for the past few weeks. It is better to give than receive. We've made that scripture about money. It's a principle. In your prayer life, it is better to give than to receive. That, will dis- that, that is a big indicator of your burn. It's a big indicator of how bright you are. We're told in Acts 20, 35 that Jesus, he says it's better to give than to receive. So we need to posture ourselves in worship and prayer with an attitude of what can I give God. And when you become wrapped up in an opportunity to give to God, you'll burn like the sun even brighter. Verse 11. And then the officials went together to Daniel's house and they found him praying and asking for God's help. Oh, he did ask for God's help. But it flowed from what? Thanksgiving. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone divine or human except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yeah, the king replied. That decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. Well, then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, he's ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. He tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. Some translations read this, that when King Darius heard this, he was greatly displeased with himself. You want to know one way to burn? Take ownership instead of blaming others. He didn't say, you know, I can't believe all you manipulators. Christians love to blame Satan on everything. The enemy got me. I was deceived. No matter if it was the enemy or you being deceived, the one deceiving you still needed your agreement. So take ownership of the fact that you agreed with the manipulator. You agreed with the deception. You agreed with the false teaching. I'm not saying there's not any responsibility on the other, but at some point we've got to take an ownership of God. What would you renew in me? What would you show in me? What do you want me to submit to more? Take ownership. It's the only way to sharpen up. It's the only way to get hindrances out. Take ownership and ask God to reveal what needs to be changed in me instead of only praying for what needs to be changed in them. Ask him to intervene on behalf of the foolish decisions you made, despite if they were your fault or not. The thing is, 
Even if you were manipulated, you allowed it. So take ownership that you put the authority of your word behind something without proper testing. It's not them, 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 them. It's you did not test it properly. Take ownership so you know how to test it next time. The key to all of this is simply becoming light. Burning. John 12, 35 to 36 says, Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they're going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time and then you will become children of the light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. Darkness will not overtake you when you burn. It's impossible. You walk in areas that don't make sense because you haven't given light to it. Light is knowledge. We walk in areas that don't make sense because we are walking in darkness. So he says, look, look at what he says, put your trust in the light so that you will become children of light. And all the ways of the light are foolish to the world. So we have to walk in a foolish way that we may not understand so that we can become a light of the Father. Trust in his way so that you become his way. You show me weak places in you, I'll show you a lack of light. I'll show you a lack of burning. And we are to become children of light, meaning start to look like your daddy. Burn so much that they can start to see the one that they claim is false. That's what Daniel was doing. He wasn't trying to prove a point. He was just simply burning bright. So in verse 16, it says, At last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested, thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. The king of another kingdom. The king who came in and broke up everything that was going on in 120 provinces. He said, may your God, whom you serve faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. I want to point this out really quick. Why would he do that? I believe he truthfully had faith that Daniel was going to get out, and he didn't want anyone to say it was by his own hand. So he sealed it. So no one could tear him out. That the only way Daniel was getting out was a miracle of the God that they said was false. The king returned to his palace, spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Look at Daniel. The king prayed for his deliverance. Two kings having faith in Daniel's God because of Daniel's burning. Don't tell me it's unbiblical to affect the government. The government was believing in Daniel's God because Daniel refused to not burn. And if you burn bright, darkness cannot stay anywhere. 
if we would start to burn all the dark junk that's trying to take over this city, it wouldn't be able to stay. Can you imagine people coming all around the world to the city known for haunted ghost tours? They started coming because they heard about things that they only read about next. Let's change the reputation of our county. Let's change the, rep, the, the, let's change the reputation of Savannah and beyond. It bothered the king. He couldn't sleep. Why? He did not want to operate in a reality without Daniel. Daniel was his highest advisor. He, he, he believed Dan, he was going to make Daniel the top of the empire. He didn't want to believe in a reality without Daniel. And I believe that if we would learn to burn bright, the world will not want to operate without the church. Can we believe for that day? See, it's really easy to get discouraged right now because last week it was hollering and shouting and jumping, and, but now we're talking about what are we going to do with it, right? Now, if we're, the time is now. What is the time for? Burning. And we can't pray to God to burn. It's by way of intimacy with God we start to burn. It's not God give me a desire. Scripture says get to know him and you'll get that desire. It's like a dating or marriage relationship. You get to know them by getting to know them. You spend time with them before you might not want to spend as much time with them. And then the desire grows, and you want to spend more time with them, and more, and more, and more. That's exactly how it is with the Father. It's not, God, give me a desire to want to get to know you. I just, I, I give me a desire. That, that was horribly done. No, it, it's enter in, and you will start to burn. You will start to get to know more things. You will start to get to know him, not necessarily because you want to to that degree when you start, but by starting, you enter. The call of the church is to burn so bright that nothing can operate without us. Verse 19, very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God. Was your God whom you served so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me. I've been found innocent in the sight. I've not wronged you, your majesty. Daniel not only didn't break the king's law, but he willingly went into the lion's den. He was obedient to God and the law of the land. Trusting that the law of the land had to submit to God's authority. See, our, our tendency is to pray to God to take us out of the situation. Maybe we need to realize that the situation has to bow too. Is your faith burning that bright? That I'll enter into this thing knowing that that thing is going to bow that he will shut the mouth of the devourer. And all that flowed from one simple thing that they saw in Daniel 
when they started to manipulate him. It's in verse 23. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in God. Trust. You know, in Hebrews 11, it says this in verse 33-34. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. Let me read that. By faith, they overthrew kingdoms. Rule with justice. Receive what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. Who do you think they're referring to? Quenched the flames of fire. Escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Want to shut the mouth of the lion in your life? You don't need strength. You just need to burn. But do you trust in that burn? Do you trust in the one who says what your burning will do? God says, where, you're, where you are weak, I am strong, right? He is strong because you are burning in him to such a degree that darkness cannot stay in the midst of light because that light is the strength of the Father that you simply reflect. It's pretty easy to reflect. How do I reflect? Intimacy. See, we, 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 can, we can get in all the, the churchies and the religious stuff and try to get it all right, but when it comes down to it, it's every single one of us being wrapped up in the arms of the Father. Then, in verse 24, the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had thrown them into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. Dang. And the lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. There's two things in this. The, number one, why, why the wives and kids, they must not have heard hide your kids and hide your wife, but why, why the wives and the children? Persian law, the guilt of one is the guilt of all. Much like how the sin of Adam caused all men to be guilty. Which brings a need to burn for the lost. They're being consumed, they don't even know it. By representation. We should want to be wrapped up in the Father to burn so that those walking in darkness will submit to the light that's reflecting from us. Second thing. It says the lions ate them before they even hit the ground. It shows the validity for Daniel's rescue because these lions were hungry and they were waiting. They were wanting to devour something. Scripture says that the devil prowls around like a lion looking for someone to what? Devour. But it won't try to eat fire. So why be scared of an enemy prowling around like a lion when you can simply burn to where no matter how close he gets, he doesn't stand a chance? You want revival in the city? Burn. You want revival in your families? Burn. Let them be so confused that you love them even though they don't deserve your love. 
I think one of the biggest weaknesses of believers is that we only want to love what's like us. Good thing the Father didn't do that. And then King Darius in verse 25 sent this message to the people of every race, nation, and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. He is the living God, and he will endure forever. Let me just start. Do y'all realize what's going on in the Old Testament? They were decreeing and believing in things that we say is only possible by Jesus. True, but wrong. Jesus is the word of God. The word has always been. They came to know the Father by the word, and we simply got to see how word operated in full potential, which is your potential. But what happens with us is when we don't see a breakthrough in what we're wanting, we question the potential instead of trusting in the burn, trusting in reflecting the Father. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The testimony of God's work makes the ungodly see. That is darkness fleeing. Your burning has with it the fruit of a testimony. The God of Daniel was now the God of Darius. You know what's interesting about this whole story is the prophetic utterance of things to come. Because Daniel was a man without blame. Right? It says he was a man without blame. He was faithful to God. In him, all things were put to death. Nothing was existing. The same man who was found guilty for all this stuff, guilty of, his, of this sin that he didn't commit, was put to death. And when he was put to death, he escaped death. And when he escaped death, a stone was rolled away. And when the stone was rolled away, what they should have seen a dead man, they saw coming out a risen, resurrected man. And the testimony of this man surviving death was an announcement to the nation for life. It's a prophetic picture of Jesus. And it should be the same picture of your life story. Because the fact of the matter is, the reason we burn is that we are a resurrected dead man. You know, we say it all the time, we baptize people, you know, buried in the likeness of his death, uh, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Do you understand the gravity of what has happened to you if you believe in Jesus? You are a resurrected being. And the great thing about being resurrected is that there is no longer an earthly limit to what you can do. When Jesus was resurrected, he appeared and he disappeared. Even Jesus walked into a new level of his full potential. 
as a fleshly man. He always could do it as God. But it took a resurrection for the man Jesus to walk in an even greater glory. It's the same thing that happens for us. We are born again and are righteous. And because we are righteous, we can do anything if it's for one thing, the glory of God. Not to posture ourselves above, not to make ourselves seem better or look better. It's for one purpose, glory for God. We don't want to raise dead people from the grave to make people go ooh, ah, and relentless. We want to raise people from the grave so that people cannot deny the power of God. That in itself is burning. We're not trying to have miracle signs and wonders so, so, we, build the, so we build an organization called Relentless. I could care less about that. In fact, I think the greater degree is if the, the manifestation of miracles, healings, and power and signs and wonders didn't happen here. They happen everywhere else. That's the greater. They've got to happen here first because we've got to start realizing it. We've got to see it. We've got to embrace it. But what if, like, what, can you imagine one day where we burn to such a degree that no one comes here for healing? You come here to get trained and equipped to go out and be the witness of healing and power and miracles and deliverance. What if the greatest deliverance ministry that this city has ever seen simply came by you walking into Kroger? Can you imagine a day where you walk into a grocery store to buy bread and instead everyone else gets a different kind of bread? Can you imagine the headlines that all of a sudden everyone in Kroger fell down? And they all stood up, and their face was shining like the sun. I know it's, it's, it seems like, uh, I mean, that's it. That's but it, it happened, and it can. Jesus calls us to, to walk into a greater degree of glory than we ever read in the text. And if we don't start speaking it and believing it, we're not going to start burning. We're not going to get brighter. We're not going to walk toward that. Let us walk in faith, trusting in the provision of a heavenly Father who is not bound by earthly limits. And you have access because he made you just as right as he was in your state right now. But are you wrapped up? Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says it like this. You are the light of the world. And like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Let, let, let me say that. You know what the church has become? The basket. We burn when we come here and no one else sees your burn. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. That's our mandate. Burn, shine, and reflect in such a degree that everyone believes in the Heavenly Father. Not the ones who were predestined to believe, not the elected ones that might believe. It's all, all, all believe in the Heavenly Father. Don't stop burning. 
We can get really excited when we see great provisions with, you know, raising money in two weeks and, and seeing physical expansion. We can get really excited when we have an altar full of people. In fact, I'm feeling right now that we're not even going to have an altar call tonight. I, we need to get just as excited about our ability to burn and change everything that, that burns in our presence because we are in his presence and where we walk, we carry him. We need to get just as excited about that as what we saw last week. Don't stop burning. The altar call tonight is simply this. As we walk into our own rhythms of life, is God show me what in me is still dimly lit. Or, or maybe a better way to say it is God, I, I just want to get more wrapped up in you. I want to get to know things about you that I've never known. Well, let's talk about that kind of fear of God. Getting wrapped up in knowing more of him that you have never known. That can be a little nerve-wracking for some. Because let me just break this religious thing. None of us know all of God. If we did, we'd be walking in him. And no one person can be the total reflection of God. That is why God calls us to be a body of believers. Because if Colin burns as bright as he is called to burn, there's going to be something in him that you'll never see in me. And us walking in it together is beautiful. And then Colin, me, and Blaze. And then Taylor and Marty and Donna and Chris. And I'm not going to name everyone, so don't get, get your hopes up. But every single person, there, there is something in you that is not going to be reflected in me. But together we are the full reflection. Let's burn. Let's not stop burning. Let's get brighter. The call tonight is simply this. Get wrapped up in a relationship. Let them expose you to things you've never been exposed to. Break mindsets you didn't know that need to be broken. Parents, you know what the best altar call is for you tonight? Go home and don't take your kids through just a, a good night prayer. Pray with them. Right? Husbands and wives, you know a great altar call for you tonight? Just simply get with your husband or your wife and just simply pray with them. Thanking God together. Don't stop burning. He's so good. He simply wants all of you. So let's give him all. We give him all, all the glory all the space in our mind, we're going to see things that the world cannot say is not of God. And this city will change. This nation will change. This world will change. I think one of the biggest things we've missed is when we realize that God is going to destroy the earth one day, it's not because the enemy won. It's when the church walks into who we should be where God says, I no longer have anything to do except to make it new for it to come into agreement with my sons and daughters. That's why he says, I'm coming back for my spotless bride. 
He, it's not, I'm coming back when the world is just totally out of, uh, uh, it. it's not, I'm going to come back when the world is full of sin. It's the world being full of sin will be a sign of the times, and I'm going to come back for my spotless bride. He's not looking for more sin, he's looking for a church. He's looking for the bride. We got to get this gloom and doom stuff out. No, he, he, he is coming back when he sees his church. When he sees his bride. He's not coming back for a fallen world. He's coming back for his bride. So let's burn. Let's burn. Amen. Let's stand. Let's just give God praise tonight. Come on. Let's, thank you, Lord. You know, let's just right now, let's just lift up thanks to him. Just tell him how good he is. Come on, right now, out loud. Just tell him how good he is. God, you are so wonderful. I got all glory and honor to you. We are your people. We are your sons and daughters. Tonight, God, we submit to the need to burn. The time is now. We are burning for you. We want to be a reflection of you, God. So through the night, give us dreams. Give us, give us visions. Give us anything you need to show us where we are not wrapped up in you, God, because we want to be wrapped up in you. We want to be wrapped up in you. We love you, Lord. Have your way in us. I call down a refiner's fire right now that desires would start to change because they, we are getting, uh, I, Holy Spirit, speak to our conscience right now throughout the night that things start coming to the surface that cannot stay because our desires to burn, our desires to reflect. I called out right now, anything in us that should not be in us, bring it up in our minds right now, God. And as it comes up in our mind, we just say in agreement that we are walking in a new path. We are walking in step and not out of step. We walk into destiny. We walk into purpose. We align with your desires for us, not our desires for us, God. We align with your will for us, not our will for us. God, we submit every dream and we say replace our dreams with your dreams for us. We submit every desire and say, God, replace the desire with, with your desire. If it's the same, awesome. If it's not, God, replace it. Let us get wrapped up in who we are meant to be in you and nothing else. We want to burn for you. I declare right now that families start to change right now. That calls are going to be coming in from family members that have abandoned you. And the only thing you can attribute to is the Father's calling. I call for sons and daughters who have rejected Christ to start seeing the burn of parents. And they come back and they see how good you are. And they see how bright you're burning. And they say they were wrong and then they love Jesus. I call out the ones who have passed who have died before their time. And I say in the name of Jesus, we are calling you back into time and we say that you are not bound by a grave. I speak to diseases and sickness and say you are not more powerful than my God and we tell you to get out of, of this temple. You are not allowed. 
Jesus, we love you. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. That's in your name we pray. Everybody say, amen. Amen.